1: Hello, and I'm Jason Lee along with Amy Donaldson. And on this episode of the Loud Mouse Project's Voices of Reason, we're joined by our business partner and podcast colleague, Jason Comstock, who is also the host of We Happy Few, our podcast on uh, veteran stories in the military. And, uh, and obviously, with uh, Amy D here, thank you very much for being around. And this is the weekend of uh, Thanksgiving. And so, most of us are thankful for at least something. I know I am because my life is better than most. I always tell people, despite the fact that I don't have any money, but I'm working on that. <laughs> Apparently well, not.
0: It's good to be here, and uh, thanks for putting this together. I'm happy. I'm excited about what we're going to talk about.
1: It's true. It's true. So firstly, let's, uh, on the, in this segment, we're going uh, to chat about, so Jace, I'm going to ask you first, uh, What this year uh, in particular, what are you thankful for? What are you most thankful for in your life?
3: Boy, you know, I really should have thought about this ahead of time. Um, I am actually, I'm so thankful for my family. You know, my children are all healthy. They're happy. Um, We have a grandbaby that's just, just makes me smile every time I think about her. And we have another grandbaby on the way. Super excited about that. But just, just thankful for my family. You know, they're, everybody's healthy. Everybody's safe. Um, in spite of some of the turmoil that we've faced over the last few months with coronavirus and everything that's gone on this year, everybody's safe and, and everybody's doing really good. What about you, Anne?
0: Well, so this is hard because I'm grateful for so much. And uh, I participated in the, uh, you know, seven days that the uh, LDS church leader asked people to do on social media, kind of make social media your gratitude journal. And I kind of want to keep it going because it's been so fun. Um, it's really shifted my perspective. And so I'm going to say what I'm grateful for this year is empathy. I'm grateful that there are people who can put their selves in someone else's shoes and try to understand something that they've never experienced and then, you know, um, come up with solutions, whether those are in a family or a community or in a political situation. I think if we don't have empathy for one another or for strangers, um, we don't get to a better place. And I think right now there's a lot of people suffering, a lot of people hurting, and um, I've seen some really remarkable um, things because people were able to just uh, believe believe someone else's experience and, and, and feel for them and reach out to them in love. And so that's, I'm grateful for empathy.
1: I'm grateful for a fair amount of things, actually. I'm always thankful for the life I have because there are so many, I, like, I, I'm not a wealthy guy, but I'm not poor. The rain does not fall on my head. I won the parent lottery 55 years ago, and I have made some pretty good choices in my life to have some wonderful people around me, and, and so I'm always grateful for that. But I'm, um, I'm, I'm grateful that, you know, I've grown as a person to understand that not everybody is as fortunate as I am, and I don't take that for granted, and I try to appreciate everybody that comes into my life and find something from them that uh, enriches me, because there's 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 a lot that we overlook, there's a lot that we take for granted, and you know, year after year, one of my goals is to not take things for granted, and I think that um, I am more cognizant of that uh, as as I get older, and I appreciate so much more, and I want to, uh, you know, when I always when I die, I always feel like I want to leave the world a little better than when I found it. And I hope that as I learn these things I'm able to uh, you know accomplish that you know year after year so that somehow when I leave that uh, I will have left something worth uh, people remembering and, and giving them some motivation to do a little better for themselves as well so that's that's primarily what I'm thankful for and I'm also thankful for the outcome of the election I will have to i you know I know I get on this a lot but i this has been a it's been a struggle for me to watch craziness happen and so i'm i'm um, i'm just i'm grateful that that's going to stop
3: you know to go back to though to amy's uh, gratitude uh, journal that you know so i am a member of the church of jesus christ of latter day saints you know full disclosure and i was i watched on uh, that the, the 20th when president nelson who i recognize as a prophet seer and revelator to the world when he said let's let's you know, express our gratitude. And and I was really grateful for that. What was interesting to me is as I saw people that were posting, these are the same people that were posting stuff about um, the current president. And I started to question their humanity. I started to question whether or not they were even human beings. And then to see them post gratitude about different things that were going on in their life, it it reminded me, oh yeah, that's right. They are human beings. They are people, they are my neighbors, and, and I, need, I need to remember that. Even though we might view a political topic differently, that doesn't make them any less human than I am.
1: So you, at this point, I mean, I recognize, you know, this has been one of those divisive periods in our lives, and we've seen and heard things from people that we thought we knew uh, in, in ways that we were uh, caught unawares. So you would gotten to the point where you, you questioned people's humanity?
3: Yeah. So in my view, the the current administration was doing some things that were evil, putting really putting dollars over people, um, putting children in cages uh, you know, on our southern border, disenfranchising uh, really black voters all over the country. Uh, I just thought that was bad. And so to see people stand up and say, no, I like this guy. I'm going to vote for this guy made me question really every choice that they were making and and i realized as i watched them express their gratitude that i was i was actually wrong i needed to to back up a little bit and and still remember they are human beings they are entitled to their own opinions uh, even though they're different than mine and and i need to be um respectful of that humanity maybe not understanding of that choice but I do need to re- be respectful of who they are. That they are human beings. That some of these people are my neighbors that have been in my home and have helped me when I had a hard time. And yet still, um, they they just had a different political view than I did. I right.
0: think I think some of the difficulty comes with um, when Jason and I started this podcast right after the ele- well, it was actually right before the election, right, Jason, in twenty sixteen. Correct. Um and. I think our first episode was before the election, and the next one was after. It was a really, um, again, a very tumultuous time, very contentious election, and I felt like I wasn't doing a good job of listening. And so I sort of recommitted myself to that, and I feel like I really tried hard, and this last year I have really struggled with the opposite problem, and that is, when do you stop listening to people? I just followed some people around my hometown today who are protesting wearing a mask. And so their idea to protest was to go to private businesses and violate a rule that the private business has offered. The business has said you have to wear a mask to come in. They just, a whole group of them just walk in. They ignore that rule. They ignore the, you know, the sovereignty of that business to set up their own rules. And they march through the, um, the business. They don't buy anything. They're not really causing trouble, but they are subjecting other people to their, you know, their germs. I guess it's a, it's a weird. Thing.
1: To me, it's 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 complete troublemaking. That's I mean, it's yeah. funny that you say that. That's exactly yeah. what they do. They're trying to cause controversy yeah. in a place that doesn't even belong to them.
0: But but not just that. I think it's just an absolute disregard for the fact that somebody in that store may have needed to go buy something, and they are at risk, or they live with someone who is at risk. And they have now jeopardized that person's safety or somebody that they love. And so for me, it's not a harmless protest. Harmless protest, you know, stopping traffic or being, you know, we we argue about these things all the time. If you stop traffic, what if somebody's having an emergency? Yes. Um, So I understand that. But where it's a private business, I just don't understand what your point is. They get to set the rules. And so I just watch this happen and I see this and I – see that they're putting other people's lives at risk, and I just have trouble anymore with this is a difference of opinion. To me, this is a difference in empathy. This is a difference in your ability to just follow rules that keep everybody safe in a society. There are lots of things we ask of each other that we may not wanna do on our own, wearing a seatbelt and using a speed limit and things like that. Those keep everybody safe. You You can't drink when you drive. You got to wear pants when you go out in public, you know, just small things to keep everybody safe. You may not like them, but you do them. And I guess to me, these sort of ones that rub up against someone's humanity, taking kids from their parents, um, you know, not worrying about uh, coronavirus relief, but instead worrying about approving judges because you want a conservative court when people don't have food to eat. You know, I feel like this is sort of at the edge of where, um, I think it's James Baldwin who said, you know, we can have a difference of opinion unless your opinion is that I don't have human rights. I don't get civil rights. And I feel like that's sort of where we're at. Like, how do we divide? It's been a real struggle for me this last year. Where do those political differences stop? And where does it come into being? These are issues of your, you know, your judgment and your character. And maybe I don't want to be friends with you. I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying that that's where I'm at, but I'm saying that's my struggle.
1: When we come back, well, I mean, we'll we'll continue this discussion. I uh, I just want to keep us on time a bit. We were a bit over. Um, you know, again, this this there's nuance to this that you both have brought up that a lot of people don't always consider. And I think, as you said, this what these people thought was their personal protest. It was bigger than that, and in some way, they disregarded the fact that it was more nuanced. It was it was in fact uh, potentially harming another human being. And that is where they're they they they're mistaken. And I don't know if this is what they meant, but that's certainly uh, what the result was. When we come back, we'll continue our discussion on that. You're listening to Voices of Reason.
2: A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden they all kind of lined up. pound on the door boom 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 and there was the police once again you can binge all of the episodes of hope and darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts
1: hi welcome back to the loudmouth Project's voices of reason i'm jason lee along with amy donaldson and our podcast colleague Jason Comstock this week. We're talking about uh, what's happening in our lives. And even though you hear crickets, it's not really as uh, quiet and as bad as we think. Uh, it's <laughs> so Amy, not so I understand. I understand. <laughs> so, in our first segment, we, we, we talked about what we were thankful for, but we also mentioned that part of what has been troubling is people's sometimes even if inadvertently, their lack of humanity. And I know, Jason, you wanted to kind of chime in on on what Amy was talking about when she was, the story she was covering with regard to people uh, going to a private business without wearing masks and thinking that they're protesting, but in fact, they were actually putting other people at at risk.
3: So I guess my question, Amy, is, is what do we do about people that just disregard or don't even believe the science?
0: Well, so I guess that takes us to what we wanted to talk about next, which is what is normal, right? um because they don't believe it. I've talked to them at length in a number of different contexts and they I talked to a guy today who said, "I used to work for an epidemiologist and I don't believe that masks help." And I said, "Okay, well, I believe the science that you know our doctors are telling us. Here in Utah, we have multiple doctors across different healthcare providers and um you know, almost everyone involved in government and public health is saying You know, and BYU independently looked at 25 studies. New studies are coming out all the time that confirm masks reduce the spread of disease. And so I just don't know what you do to help them. I mean, I don't know that they'll ever believe it. I I, we don't believe we're at a real crisis in our country, in my opinion, where we don't believe experts, we don't believe scientific experts, we don't believe climate experts, we don't believe government experts, we don't believe you know, people who've done something for a long time, they we've somehow shifted and said, well, they're an elitist because they have an education and they have expertise, but I'm going to believe this person on a YouTube channel. I mean, I don't know. It's a weird universe we're living in. So what's, what's normal, do you guys think?
1: Well, I want to say that, like, normal to me. Again, I, I feel like people who say outlandish things and believe something that uh, is, you know, unproven. And just because somebody says what they feel like they want to hear, they kind of believe that. And I, there's a whole bunch of those people, right? I, this weekend, I met somebody who thinks the uh, the presidential election hasn't uh, been decided. You know, <laughs> I mean, again, I, that's a whole other thing. We'll talk about that in an upcoming segment. But I, I feel as though we have to, the people who recognize that the way we were doing it before, uh, understanding and hearing the experts, uh, appreciating why it is they've come to these conclusions, and why they they are offering these uh, recommendations because they think that it would help the broader society. It it it's incumbent upon us to be the louder voices, to be the voice, literally to be the voice of reason, and say, hey, look, I know you people are hearing these people on uh on, on these oddball sites, but they're they're not uh, credible. And if you believe them, you're doing that at your own peril. The rest of us are going to go over here and move forward in a way that is reasonable. And, and reasoned so that we can uh, protect public safety.
3: So I, I totally agree, Jason, with everything you're saying. I think the struggle though is, and I know we got into this a little bit, but the leader of the free world said that those oddball sites are where the truth is, you know? And so and so people are like, well, if the president of the United States says that's true, then, then it must be true. I mean, that used to be a position where if the president said it, then 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 it must be true.
1: And now that's you're right. And and we recognize now that that has those things have changed. Okay, so we as you said, that is the way it used to be. But you know what? We know now that that's not true. And so it's incumbent upon us to say that that man, though he is the president, he is our uh, elected political leader. He is mistaken. And in fact, he is his uh, what he is espousing is putting the lives of millions of americans at risk that we've had we've lost 250,000 people i am a guy who is all into uh, statistics and but i what i do know is that people who have uh existing health conditions and uh those people who may have already had uh been tested positive for covid and they are having lasting effects of this illness when they have quote unquote recovered months ago weeks ago it is incumbent upon us to protect all of us to the detriment of those people who want to be deniers because they're not helping. They're only hurting. And just like, we don't want kids in cages. You know, you might've voted for that guy to put those kids in cages, despite the fact that you might've said, well, we, I don't support kids in cages, but I just support the guy who put the kids in cages. We have to stand up. We have to be stronger. We have to be determined. And I, I have, you know, as a black person in America, you know, there's many times I have felt like, you know, the world is against us. And in fact, I still think that in some ways, you know, I really do. However, I am i am undeterred. I will, I was, my last breath on this earth, I will go forward knowing that I am going to espouse the right thing as best I can. And no matter if i if people scream and shout, you know, nonsense, I'm just going to ignore them. I'm going to keep moving forward. That's what I think we need to do.
0: So I think new normal is going to look like media not giving platform to everybody who has something to say. All right it's going to be us saying look in this case we've fact checked this and it's not we're not going to i mean that's one of the reasons i don't want to quote people who are just randomly repeating what their neighbor told them right so i mean it's just it's a hard thing and and i think when you a- ask people like why do you believe that what evidence do you have of widespread corruption in the in the election when you have republicans or republicans in these states saying you know what the attorney general saying there's no, this election was honest and was legitimate, and there's no, no corruption here. Um, I don't know if you're not convinced by that. If, if you believe one person's assertion, who, and he's never provided any proof, I don't know that we have to spend time with that as, a, as, as media. I think our responsibility is to say this exists, and this is what it's doing to us. But, but we need to focus on facts and
1: moving forward and i think that's something we need to do more and more. Yeah. And i think too though we
3: can't rely on social media as our news source. Ever. I mean that's well. the i think that's the problem. So many people the their only news source is what somebody shared. Well my cousin, you know, said, you know, whatever on on Facebook, so it must be true we have to we have to be willing to say that's interesting now let me research that and figure out where that actually came from
1: Well, research takes effort jace <laughs> so people have to do that right you know what as I've been, look, I've been a journalist for over 20 years right i recognize people want to believe uh the this craziness because it's it's easier and it it, it's, it doesn't take time it doesn't take research but the truth is anything worth understanding requires your own verification your own uh, in-depth analysis, so that you can understand why someone came to that conclusion. If you can't do that for yourself, then you're short. You're short uh, selling your own uh, ability to understand the facts as they exist, rather than what you can be led by anyone. And often, unfortunately, sometimes that anyone is the president of the United States. When we come back, uh, we want to sw- uh, not switch gears totally. We're going to go to uh, back to politics and talk about the current uh, situation in our politics, and that is that it looks as though we're going to have a new president and that person is going to take office next month. What will President-elect Joe Biden need to do uh, on his first day in office and his first few weeks in office to help get this country going in a direction that hopefully will be positive in the years ahead? You're listening to Voices of Reason. Welcome back to the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason. I'm Jason Lee along with Amy Donaldson and our uh, our business partner and broadcast colleague, uh, Jason Comstock, is uh, joining us this week. And uh, at this point – oh, and by the way, Jason does a great podcast on called We Happy Few. It is telling the stories – well, I guess I should say to you. It tells the stories of military veterans and uh, what their life experience is. Right, Jason? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, please check it out. And so Joe Biden's going to be the president in uh, a little over a month. Uh, January 20 is when our Inauguration Day is, and unless something wholly unbelievable happens, uh, then uh, he'll be the president. Uh, I'm going to start with you, Amy. Uh, okay. What what should uh, the president-elect take up as uh, one of his priorities or some of his priorities on the first day in office?
0: Well, I know you... I hope he can multitask. Because <laughs> <laughs> we have a few emergencies. But obviously, I think... Um, he, they've already started uh, the vaccine distribution, you know, dealing with COVID, dealing with a pandemic. Um, that has to be the top priority. Um, and I hope second, uh, you know, maybe at uh, two or three o'clock, he can reinstate the DACA executive order. I was not in favor of this being in executive order when President Obama did it. But um, with the Trump administration suspending that, um, you have people who are in very dire, difficult situations and they need immediate relief and i hope that eventually congress will take up the daca program and and put it into law with some other immigration reform but but on the first day i think he has to do something to help this country deal with this out of control pandemic and and i'm hoping also daca
1: jace jace what do you think well amy took mine so
3: um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I, I, no, but I, I mean, you might,
0: I, yeah, we agree on that.
3: Yeah. Like it ha- has that's to be, thing. it has to be coronavirus. I mean, it is, it is really, it's devastating families. It's devastating businesses. There has to be something in place to help people. Uh, I'm not asking for a stimulus check, but, but we've got to do something to help the people that are really suffering. I mean, there are people are really hurting trying to figure out, you know, what to do because hours have been cut or they've lost their jobs. Um, because of some of the other things, I mean, I have a son that that is going to lose his job in January because uh, of some of the some of the things that have already happened and and so we 've got to do something to help folks that are unemployed going to be unemployed because businesses just can 't um, survive this environment
1: you know one of the things I think has uh, been sold short in this whole thing is the economic impact of coronavirus. I recognize that you uh, there are people who are sick. And I I don't want to diminish that. I'm serious. I don't. However, what I think ends up happening is that, uh, there are still a lot of people who are unemployed and underemployed and they are out of money. They are out of a, a a way to pay for rent. The, and the people who own those properties are trying to figure out how to keep them because those people haven't been able to pay. We are in an economic nightmare. So I think, uh, that the president is uh, one of his first things should be to advocate in the strongest, way possible that congress develop a new stimulus program that happens within a week or two of uh you know him taking office because we need to get this moving i recognize getting vaccines and stuff you know somewhere in the uh the very near future is is very important but this economic situation is going to put our country in complete and utter financial turmoil if it is not addressed immediately immediately. I write about business all the time. I know uh, that uh, unemployment is running out for people. Even the extended unemployment benefits will stop at the uh, the end of December. And come 2021, there is going to be upheaval in a way that we have not experienced. It'll be potentially worse for a lot of folks than the Great Recession was. And I know it took extraordinary measures to get that back on track. We are in that same kind of situation today. And I believe it is incumbent upon the new administration to take that up as one of the top two priorities, uh, the vaccines and, and, and getting people to behave in a way that's going to you know be helpful moving forward, and absolutely the economic stimulus package that we need to have so that Americans uh, don't find themselves out on the street and just literally in dire straits. Now, the other thing I want to ask is what... <laughs> Beside those things that we've just talked about, what are some of the things you want to see in the first, say, year of, of, of or what do they say? The first hundred days is kind of how they look at it. Are, are there any other um, ideas you'd like to, uh, to see them uh, pursue? Oh,
0: yeah. Please, please, please. Can we deal with uh, health care? If we do not deal with the outrageous costs of healthcare, care, um, I don't know, especially in post-pandemic. I have – we'll see something way worse economically in this country than we can even envision because people are already trying to raise money. I talked to one guy who said he had uh, bills within his first three days of almost $100,000, hospital bills, just for the first three days of his hospital stay. Um, That's going to be a wide – And that was with
1: the coronavirus?
0: Yeah, 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 being hospitalized. So think about all the hundreds or thousands of people who are Well, I guess it's probably millions, millions now. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That have, that are spending time in hospitals or get uh, the only thing that's free is the test. Everything else is you have to have insurance or money. Imagine the impact that's going to have on us if we don't do something about it. Uh, as far as healthcare goes, I just think that has to be. Uh, Doing something about you know emergency relief economically for this country, getting the vaccine distributed, distributed, and and getting more testing, getting more, getting some plan in place. Um, there's so much the coronavirus task force has to deal with, but I think looking at uh, schools shut down, I think we're going to find that has there's a whole segment of the population that doesn't even have access to technology so they basically don't have access to public education. What are we going to do about that? How are we going to make that up to them? How are we going to bring them back online or back in a classroom so that they don't fall any farther behind? Um, We have a lot of major issues.
3: I would add, I think our teachers are doing an incredible job, but I don't Mm -hmm. think all of them are as prepared for online learning. And that has has created struggles for both teachers and students to try to figure out, how do I get my work turned in? I mean, I literally have sat down with my own child and and said, okay, let's make sure you got it turned in. And, 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 you know, because they were missing assignments, because they couldn't figure out how to turn in assignments. And so I I think that's another struggle that we're going to have to figure out. How do we help kids get to where they need to be so that they are on the same level of, of education as their peers?
1: You know, I, th- I think it's, it's it's crazy that on these last two uh, – well, I mean of, of, among these last couple of elections that we've had for president, that there's been these enormous, literally kind of uh, historic circumstances. When Barack Obama first came in, he came in with this terrible economy and two wars, and now uh, Joe Biden is coming in with uh, the upheaval of, uh, of coronavirus, which the president uh, – Trump had nothing to do with, obviously, but it's, it's the way it's been handled – has you know created some other issues that we've had. To, uh, we're gonna have to address. Man, oh man, uh, it's it's in some ways it's not an enviable job. But if they're able to you know come up with some decent plans that move us forward, uh, hopefully our country will be helped and we'll be able to kind of get uh, we'll pr- able to progress and and hopefully address a lot of the things that need to be addressed that uh, heretofore had not. When we come back, we're gonna ask: Is there anything to be learned? from this most recent uh, United States presidency and this administration. You're listening to Voices of Reason. Welcome back to the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason. I am Jason Lee, along with A.B. Donaldson, today joined by the host of We Happy View, Jason Carmstock. And he is uh, the host of We Happy Few, as I said, which is a military podcast uh, in our company. We do uh, a variety of things and tell military stories is one of them. And uh, Jason himself is a a military veteran. And uh, so, yes, I want to ask you guys, what, if anything, have we learned from this most recent presidency? I'm going to start with you, Jason. Um, Man, it's uh, it is (laughs) it has been I think Amy used the word tumultuous. It has certainly been a tumultuous last four years.
3: Boy, that's a tough one. Uh one thing that's interesting to me is I think about specifically the election, uh to me I see a referendum against uh President Donald Trump. I honestly assumed the Democrats would sweep the House, sweep the Senate and, and the White House, and to see that really they just took the White House and not a whole lot else really changed. Um I think that's that's uh, pretty telling and very interesting.
1: Amy?
0: So I think I think one of the things I've learned from Donald Trump is that he has um, sort of a dynamic, uh, I guess, antagonistic personality. And that made him appealing to some segment of the population, um, regardless of what else he did. And I think that one of the things we took for granted, there were a lot of issues with our balance of powers, with our separation of powers. We kept saying, no, there are checks and balances. Some of these things can't happen. I think we've learned that the executive branch has too much power and that right now Congress is not a good check on it. Um and, and do we really want the courts to be that check? Or do we want Congress to be to step up and be a much more robust check on uh the executive branch? Um that I just think there were a lot of rules. We've all learned a lot about, you know, obscure branches of government and issues like the postal service that we didn't know about. I've paid more attention. I'm much more engaged. I think um, if I learned anything, it's that we have some issues in this country that we have to deal with that Donald Trump just revealed. He's not the problem. He's just he's just the person who made us face the reality of who we are.
1: You know, the one thing I feel like I've and it's been dismaying to me is how a certain segment of a political party has an agenda that obviously does not help the majority of people and yet they are able to kind of co-opt the uh, the party in a way that uh has has fractured it and 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 so today we have a, a republican party they, they they were active long time decades long republicans fighting to against donald trump uh, uh the lincoln project these people who had been campaign, uh, you know, uh, strategists for years worked actively to end his presidency because they felt as though he was damaging the brand of the party and particularly hurting the values of the country. When when that is happening, and 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 you watch people like Bill Barr and 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 uh, Mnuchin and the other people in the administration be as corrupt as they've been, openly, and, and Mitch McConnell co-signing onto that, even if he believed it or not, but using it uh, to his political advantage, I, that, that is what's frightened me more than anything. Because I know now that the entire uh, Republican Party does not believe in what uh, Trump has been doing. And in fact, they, they think it's heinous. And he's been a detriment to the country. But yet, 70 million people voted for him. And that is the most any uh, candidate has ever gotten and lost, certainly. And more people voted in this election than ever voted before. That worries me substantially. I, I am, I am but, but, but definitely that, afraid of that.
0: To me, that just goes to show how willing we've become in the last few years to set aside everything else for one thing, and that's power. If we want what we want politically, we want conservative judges, a conservative Supreme Court, Whatever it is that, you know, people, whatever they, when I ask them, what is it about this administration that you do support? It's tax cuts and it's, um, which I'm just going to remind everyone, have not been paid for and have caused gross growth of the deficit. And the bill for that will come due.
1: (laughs) And the economic inequity continues to grow.
0: Well, just made it much wider. And so um, it's going to be painful, a painful reckoning, right? But- when you ask what are these things that you support, I think now what I've learned is that where people would say, well, I want economic growth or I want conservative judges, but not at any cost. I'm not willing to support a guy who's just – ab- he's, just, he's just completely dishonest. He just lies about anything with reckless abandon and people just for- – either they forgive it, they ignore it, or they believe it. Those are the three options. I don't see any other options. Or you reject it. You say, that guy's lying. And so if you're doing anything else, I'd love to hear it because, and and, and what I see is people, you know, these are powerful people and these are my neighbors. They're willing to say, I'll put up with a guy that I think is absolutely disgusting human being and dishonest and a bad husband and et cetera, et cetera, because I I want what I I want, whether that's tax tax cuts, whether that's, you know, my 401k to perform well, whatever it is, they're willing to, you know, overlook a whole lot of immorality and what I believe is almost criminal behavior. Well, not almost, it's criminal behavior because they want what they want. And I think we need to really look at ourselves long and hard about that.
3: Jace? So I, I just have a question. So with, with that in mind and with what we've seen over the course of the last four years, and I, and I am specifically talking about the Senate and the Congress, is there hope for the future? I remember even when, when Barack Obama was elected president, I didn't vote for Barack Obama, but I remember being hopeful. Uh, do we, can we have that same hope now as we have a new president, but the Senate's still in the same, Mitch McConnell's still the head of the Senate,
1: I guess the answer to that is a little, and uh, to Amy's point and to yours, not much has changed other than the occupant of the White House, and that is only you know so much. So you can see some things uh, potentially changing, and again, that has to happen. It it isn't just going to happen you know you know magically uh, through some kind of osmosis. So I, I do believe that time will tell, and we hope that it does. But if not, we won't be surprised because, as you just described, not enough has has changed uh, overtly that uh, we can know that we're going to see something different than we've seen in in the previous, you know, four years. We're just hoping that uh, normalcy will bring back, uh, will come back and we will see at least, uh, you know, compromise. I don't know who's typing back there, but it's really, uh, I I can hear that pretty loud. The... uh, we will see some kind of normalcy return and, and hopefully there will be some dialogue in Congress and maybe, you know, just maybe uh, there is something uh, they can do together and, and help our country. Listen, uh, I hate to do this. I'm, I'm grateful to both of you for being able to be with us. I know we kind of did this on the weekend, which is kind of a normal, a uh, un, uh, little unusual for us. But this was a holiday weekend, so sometimes we have to do what we got to do. Uh, I want to say, join us again for the next episode of the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason. If you have any comments about our show, please contact us via email at voramed at gmail.com or at vorjasonl at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter at adonsports and at jasonly1. Our show's Twitter handle is is at VOR Podcast. You can check out our Facebook page and find and subscribe to free episodes of our podcast on all the places where you find interesting content. Be sure to review our show as well. We love to get your feedback and it helps us grow our audience. Until next time, I'm Jason Lee along with Amy Donaldson and Jason Comstock. When you engage in passionate debate, do your best to keep your dialogue civil. Try to be the voice of reason.